Well, hey, listeners and viewers, it's Kevin Stevenson, and you're with me on I Don't Care With, yeah, me, Kevin Stevenson, here on Market Scale Radio. Today's guest is Dr. Gerald Bepler. He is a world-renowned thoracic oncologist, and he's also the president and CEO of the Carmanos uh, Cancer Institute in Detroit. Dr. Bepler, welcome to I Don't Care. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you on today. Hey, tell, our, tell my viewers a little bit about yourself and about the Institute. Yes. Um, well, uh, I, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not from the United States. I'm originally from Germany. Um, uh, I came to the U.S. in uh, 1983, um, and I did a postdoctoral fellowship at the National Cancer Institute. That's how I started my work in lung cancer research. Um, I then uh, went to Duke University, where I did my residency and fellowship in oncology and stayed on as a faculty member. Um, and then from there, I went to Roswell Park Cancer Institute in Buffalo, New York. Then I went to the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. And um, I joined uh, the Barbara Ann Carmanos Cancer Institute in Detroit in 2010 as president and CEO and have enjoyed it ever since that time. And I'm, I'm still here. Well, that's great. You've moved around almost as much as I have in my career, so uh, I think we <laughs> yeah. can probably compare stories. But yes, probably. So, so I understand that the, uh, the National Cancer Conference this year is being held at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library. Why is this year's event so important? Um, well, in uh, in 1971, President Nixon at the time signed the National Cancer Act, and this was a absolute milestone. Uh, so um, there has been some cancer research that happened before that, and there were some small successes in cancer. And obviously, uh, cancer at the time was the second leading cause of, of death uh, of people in the United States, but in the Western world in general, um, and something needed to be done about cancer. So um, a lot of uh, uh, great clinicians at the time and researchers came together and uh, convinced the federal government to uh, put money behind cancer in order to eradicate cancer. That was the goal. Um, and um, if you look back um, over the last 50 years, there has been such an incredible progress and so much good things have come out of uh, the National Cancer Act. Um, and uh, people now diagnosed with cancer uh, have hope, um, and uh, and many of them have uh, get cured from the disease and have uh, a good quality of life and a normal life. So uh, that all wouldn't have been possible without this National Cancer Act. That's incredible. So tell us a little bit more about the contributions to uh, cancer research and, and uh, treatment developed at your institute that would have really been impossible without the structure and the funding made possible by the National Cancer Act? Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for asking this. So, <clears throat> so the Carmanos Cancer Institute became one of the NCI designated cancer centers, which actually, um, to go quickly back, uh, the National Cancer Act really led to the establishment of a uh, cancer network of uh, excellent cancer centers throughout the United States, because very quickly, uh, the National Cancer Institute uh, realized that uh, just having one cancer institute uh, in Bethesda, Maryland alone wouldn't be able to really achieve that uh, high goal of uh, uh, eradicating cancer. So, the, so this network was established of uh, cancer centers throughout the United States 
which started with a couple of centers in the in the early 70s and has now expanded to actually a total of uh, 52 comprehensive cancer centers. Um, and um, so Barbara Ann Carmanos Cancer Institute uh, joined this elite team in 1978. We were the uh, 20th uh, cancer center that uh, got this designation. And looking back over the years, there have been many, many achievements. Um, but let me start with one achievement that actually isn't cancer related. But the reason why it was achieved was because of the National Cancer Act. So one of the uh, goals was to de develop new cancer drugs uh, that obviously, you know, would shrink cancer, have few side effects, um, be easy to take um, and make a big difference. And in, in this um, quest for new cancer drugs, the Barbara and Carmanos Cancer Institute actually developed um, three of the first four FDA-approved AIDS drugs. So if you really? think, that's yeah. interesting. So if you think about this, um, AIDS wasn't even known at the time, um, but um, but the drugs that we developed uh, turned out to be. Mm -hmm. somewhat effective against cancer, but they really weren't effective enough to really make it to uh, to really breakthroughs in, in cancer therapy. But then AIDS came along. It turns out that many of the drugs that we developed were actually uh, blockbusters against uh, against AIDS. So so if you look look at that huge achievement, uh, worldwide impact, um, and that wouldn't really have been possible without uh, the National Cancer Act. So that's a big achievement. Um, the 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 second achievement that we that we have contributed to uh, greatly is um, uh, so our institution has also been working on establishing model systems for cancer. So uh, and many of the model systems for cancer are known as cell lines, meaning they permanently grow in petri dishes. They are derived from a patient's tumor, and you can study. Um, how cancer grows, and, and not only that, but you can also use this to develop drugs against cancer. So we developed a breast cancer cell line called MCF7 that was the first hormone-sensitive breast cancer cell line, which ultimately led to the development of the drug tamoxifen. And tamoxifen, again, was is a blockbuster drug in, in the treatment of breast cancer, has really made giant differences. And not only actually for the treatment of breast cancer, because if you actually think about it in um, in the late 1990s, we actually discovered that this that uh, tamoxifen, tamoxifen can also be, be used for prevention of breast cancer in those women that are at very high risk. Um, to move on, I uh, we have over the last many decades uh, very substantially contributed to uh, the FDA approval of new cancer drugs. In fact, if you look back over the last 20 years, um, three out of every four new cancer drugs, uh, Barbara and Carmanos Institute was involved in the development of these drugs. Okay. Um, and finally, I think uh, actually to come something that's very, very, very recent, uh, we have been working for uh, many years on the development of a new imaging device uh, for early detection of breast cancer. And why is this important? Well, mm -hmm. it's important because the technology we are currently using actually uh, utilizes x-rays for visualization. And x-rays per se 
if you take if you have too much X-ray exposure, actually causes cancer. So exactly it's, right. Right. So it's a double-edged sword. So we've been working for uh, a, a decade on developing uh, a new ultrasound-based technology uh, for automated imaging of of the breast. Um, and I'm actually um, proud to tell you that. Um, um, uh, four weeks ago, we achieved FDA approval for this new device, um, and it's uh, fully automated. Um, there's no breast compression involved at all. Um, it, so it it, it utilizes um, multiple different qualities that ultrasound has mm. in order to do very precise imaging. Um, with no risk at all. So technically speaking, you could do it every day and there's no risk to it. That's fascinating. That's that's the newest one. So within the within the realm of cancer drugs, um, probably uh, if you look back over the last five years, uh, the the biggest breakthrough in cancer drugs has been the development of so-called CAR T cell therapy, uh, which uh, uh, which uh, which basically utilizes a patient's own immune cells. Uh, uh, they, they are then enhanced, these cells, and given back to the patient. And these immune cells, your very own immune cells, fight your, fight your own cancer. And so we've participated. We were one of 18 sites worldwide that participated in the FDA approval of uh, CAR T-cell therapy against non-Hodgkin lymphoma. So I think that's probably summarizes the biggest achievements we've had. Yeah, your, your, uh, your institute has certainly uh, made uh, some incredible discoveries and uh, uh, that's, just that's just fascinating. So, you know, going back to the National Cancer Act, you know, did that, did that influence you to come to the United States uh, to continue your education in your, in your career? Oh, most certainly. Uh, so when I was in medical school in Germany, um, um, I, I, f I really, f in a sense, caught fire in looking at um, uh, cancer and the, what, what was going on in cancer in general. You know, the uh, molecular biology, the gene sequencing, the discovery of mechanisms on how cancer cells grow. The development of new cancer drugs that that was just so incredibly exciting and it still is really incredibly exciting and um the leading country in the world unequivocally it is still the united states so um that that so it was my my goal and my dream to come to the united states to really learn about cancer and study cancer and um i'm i'm very proud that I achieved that goal, that I could come to the United States and that I had the ability to stay in this country and um, and really contribute to the ultimate eradication of cancer. Yeah, that's tremendous. You know, I know a lot of physicians enter their their specialties because of a personal story. Did you have any any personal family stories around cancer that really caused you to, to want to go in, into oncology or it was just your fascination with with uh, what could be in the future? When I was eight years old, I, I distinctly remember this. Uh, my, my grandfather developed leukemia um, and um, he, he was 66 at the time. And um, um, uh, there was really no treatment for, for him at 
so except for you know blood transfusions and and he passed away rather quickly and uh, it was really sad to see, to see this and um that that has had a very substantial impact on me hmm. yeah that's that's what i found with with so many not just physicians but people who enter healthcare that that there is a a a seminal personal story uh and thank you for sharing that so let me ask you a question. Why are you so confident that in the future we're going to be able to eradicate cancer? Oh, that's a very difficult question to answer. Well, I have to say, so if I, if I, if I look back at the achievements that have been made in the treatment of cancer over the last 50 years, I am convinced that ultimately we will achieve eradication of cancer. Mm -hmm. So just look at you know, um, cervical cancer in women um, and, and head and neck cancer in, uh, also. So um, it was discovered that there was a link between a virus, HPV, human papillomavirus, and, um, this, and this, these particular types of cancer. And then, and then the mechanism was established on how uh, HPV actually leads uh, to, to cancer by changing the cells. Um, and so if you think about this, we now have a vaccine against HPV. So we can actually prevent cervical cancer and a very large portion of head and neck cancers through vaccination. Mm -hmm. um, and then so if you if you keep going, the same story actually now starts to apply for uh, uh, liver cell carcinoma because of um, because of the association with hepatitis. So, so there are a number of cancers that have a very clear connection to an infectious agent, and we can we can treat this. We cannot just treat this, but we can actually prevent it. Um, and and I believe that we will make great strides in other cancers as well. So, leveraging the immune system, for example, if you look back, people have always thought um, we we as clinicians and researchers should be able to leverage the immune system to fight cancer. But there has been actually, at, clinically speaking, there had been very little progress until just a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden, somebody discovers one of the key mechanisms on how cancer cells actually block your own immune, immune system from recognizing um, the cancer cells. And, and drugs get developed that block this mechanism. And suddenly we have um drugs that that help your immune system fight your own cancer so that's just amazing to me and and you know bursts of uh discovery like this come periodically and uh, we make big progress as, as a result of this so that's why i'm convinced in the future we will be able to um eradicate cancer or at least come to a point where we can treat cancer so well that it doesn't impact on your life anymore. Talking about personal stories, I've got one of those as well. One of my very best friends, uh, oh gosh, now 15 years ago, had an eight-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with, with neuroblastoma. And, uh, you know, at that time, that was a death sentence, yeah. as you know. And uh, through clinical trials and some phenomenal uh, physicians on the West Coast, you know, today she's a she's a happy and healthy 24 year old. Yeah, it's and, amazing. It was just amazing. You know, walking through the through his uh, journey and, uh, and that of his entire family. Yes. Uh, to to see that happen, talking about giving you a lot of fulfillment just being in healthcare. 
you know, just being a, you know, as a non-clinician administrator, just a small part of things, you know, stories like that uh, is just tremendous. So, so in our last few minutes, uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are our biggest challenges going forward uh, as we approach the fight against cancer, say over the next 50 years? I think the biggest challenge is for us to continue to invest into the basic science research of cancer because one of the um, uh, problems that we're facing with the, in the treatment of cancer now is that we start treating the cancer, the cancer shrinks or almost goes away, and after a year, two years, or some other time frame, the cancer does come back. Um, and we sometimes it can be 10 years later, and we are, as clinicians, we are just stunned by this. You know, how can this possibly be? So meaning there are cancer cells left behind in the body that are dormant for a period of time and then suddenly start growing again. Or there are cells in your body that because of the ex constant exposure to a certain drug become resistant. We need to definitely figure out how cancer cells mutate and how they adjust to the new environment that now has an anti-cancer drug there and how, how we can overcome this. I think that is our biggest challenge. Once we figure that out, we will be light years ahead of where we are right now. That's a big challenge. And then I, I, I you know, we're living in COVID times. So I have to say, I have to say, that, Thank you for bringing up COVID. Yeah, well, that, that seems to be a recurring thing. So. Well, I, I need to bring it up because what we are, you know, when, when I, I talked about the HPV virus and, you know, that we have vaccination in order to actually prevent cervical cancer and head and neck cancer, yet not 100% of the people in this country or in the world get vaccinated. So a lot of people have fear of vaccination or some other reason why they don't want to get vaccinated. Um, and that's why I'm linking this to COVID because it's a similar problem, right? So if you actually can prevent a disease or eradicate a disease and you actually have the tools to do it, but yet you can't do it because people are reluctant to accept this, this, this treatment, I think there's a lot of work that we have to do in, you know, educating people, um, overcoming mistrust in the scientific and medical community um, um, to really um, have people embrace the progress that we have in order to take advantage of it. I think those are the two biggest challenges in my mind. Yeah, I totally agree with you there because it still just baffles me that, you know, we uh, people were very uh, willing to take uh, polio or smallpox vaccinations. And, and yet uh, things like HPV, as you mentioned, and certainly COVID, uh, there's such a reluctant, a reluctant such a, there's such a mistrust there. Yes. So, yeah. so and, and another thing too, I, I would like to touch on real briefly, is just, you know, with COVID, obviously the, the isolation that so many patients have, particularly cancer patients, yeah. who, who unfortunately did not uh, continue their treatment, now, is, are you seeing what we're seeing here, obviously, in Central Texas, that we've seen a number of people go from, you know, a relatively chronic state back to an acute state? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more with, you, with the statement that you just said, because 
the patients that we are currently seeing, particularly those that require hospitalization, are much sicker than they used to be with their cancer. And I think a lot of this, again, has to do with, you know, delaying medical care, um, you know, uh, not coming to the physician, um, not seeking care at the time when you, when, when you, when you have better uh, chances of treatment and uh, better outcomes as a result of this. And so COVID has really had an enormous impact. I, yes. It really has. Well, Dr. Beffler, it's been an extreme pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining us here on I Don't Care with, with Kevin Stevenson. Uh, would love to have you back on again, uh, particularly after the National Cancer Conference in case uh, there are any other uh, new uh, breakthrough uh, discoveries. We'd love to talk about that in the future. So, so thanks again. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. That was Dr. Gerald Beffler, the president and CEO of the Carmanos uh, Cancer Institute in Detroit. And folks, we've uh, wrapped up yet another uh, episode of, uh, of I Don't Care. Uh, please join us on Fridays whenever we drop, uh, drop quote unquote, live, of course. Uh, if you don't, if you can't make that, uh, uh, make sure that you download us on either Spotify or iTunes. And I'll end like I always do. If you haven't downloaded or, or subscribed to uh, I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, why haven't you? So with that, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Thanks.